Hi, this is Pam, and this is Must Love Food. Today, I am honored to have Aliza Green as my guest. She is a chef, author, and culinary tour organizer, and um, extraordinaire, I guess I should say. She has a, a wide background in restaurants, in food styling, in recipe development, in writing, uh, both co-authoring and writing her own books. And um, as I said, she's now in uh, doing culinary tours and she has won a James Beard uh, Award. So uh, welcome, Aliza. Welcome. Uh, thank you. It's wonderful to see you. Uh, here we are in, in Cyberland. Cyberland, yes. Uh, you're on the East Coast and I'm in Central Time. And Aliza, I should have mentioned as well, was one of our participants in our Must Love Food Cookbook Summit. Aliza's latest book, I believe, now, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I tried to do the math quickly. Have you written 16 books or something to I that? I think that's right. Okay. I, something like that. Depends on how you count. Yes. Co-authored or authored. And um, and I so her latest book is starting with ingredients, 100 Delicious Ways to Make Use of What You've Got. And that was sort of a cull down of a, kind of almost like an encyclopedic bigger version of starting with ingredients that came out in 2006. Six. Thank you. Mm -hmm. uh, but this uh, just but came back this year, this came out this year. And so Eliza agreed to be on our summit and she made her cheddar, cheddar cheese muffins, cheddar biscuits, biscuit, mm -hmm. excuse me, sorry. Mm -hmm. uh, but they uh, looked wonderful. You did a lovely job. As I had said earlier, uh, I think you're a natural teacher. And uh, you just gave some nice pointers, some nice tips, and uh, made it seem very easy and approachable that anybody could do this. And even if you don't have the right ingredients, you still can do it. Yeah, well, that was really my point. I, I feel like so many people from, you know, talking to people and doing so much teaching, uh, very intimidated by, oh, if I don't do it exactly like this, everything's, you know, it's never going to work. And, oh, I have to have that. Oh, I better make a special trip to the store. Well, these days especially, we can't do that. So, you know, you're not going to go out, run out and just pick up that one thing. So it's, and plus, you know, you want to make use of what you've got. So you have, uh, you don't have yogurt, you have sour cream. Okay. You can play with it. So I, I really wanted to get that across to, you know, let, um, just to give confidence uh, that the world is not going to end if, you know, you, you have a half teaspoon. I mean, there are certain recipes, mm -hmm. mostly in the baking, that are uh, more, you know, uh, you have to be much more careful, exact. have to be much more exact. But even with that, there's definitely some room. So it might not be exactly, but it'll, it'll still be pretty good. Um, so just to take away the intimidation factor, because I think right now you have so many people that are cooking far more than they have cooked in, you know, probably a, a, a lifetime. So we have to, and of course this book, you know, was planned uh, a year ago. So the, the tagline, 100 delicious ways to make use of what you've got, turned out to be really perfect for the times that we're living in uh, by, you know, just by chance. Um, but I, and, and as you said, I may, I did a, a huge book, uh, 550 recipes. That was the original starting with ingredients, which came out in 2006, which has a lot more about the actual ingredients, kind of history and varieties. It's more of a reference encyclopedic kind of book. And if you see it, you would know that. So the editor wanted to do, this is more 
uh, of sort of a best of, uh, and also, you know, in a, a very user-friendly format. It's very easy, very nice, very beautiful design with uh, cute little dictionary tabs to, you know, little tomato for the tomato chapter and things like that. So I feel that it's going to appeal to uh, a, a pretty, you know, a nice audience of people that are uh, maybe not super experienced. I also it was very interesting to go back to a book that I had written. I worked on it, you know, 15 years, almost 15 years ago. What is the difference between now and then? And uh, two things uh, which really struck me, which is that, first of all, the availability of uh, more exotic ingredients, particularly any um, non-perishables, something like uh, pomegranate molasses. And be, you know, originally, oh, we have to go to a special Lebanese store. You have to, you know, maybe do they have it there? Oh, they're out of stock. Well, now, you know, if you're on Amazon or whatever, you can order things like that very easily. So pretty much all of those um, things are available. And of course, in the supermarkets as well, many more things are available than we used to have. We just uh, take things for granted that having started out and you know, the culinary world in the 70s, I've seen a lot of change as far as that. So much more availability, which means that you can call for ingredients without, you know, having the having to worry about people aren't going to be able to get it. The second thing is the dietary restrictions. So that was not something that I had considered really uh, in the original one. But in this one, I included, I marked out all the vegan recipes. I marked out all the vegetarian recipes. And I marked out all the gluten-free recipes. So, um, you know, and I think that that has been, it, it's a huge change. Uh, I saw that change in, I was working as a, uh, running a big catering operation for the last seven years. And I watched as the, you know, the, the dietary restrictions just started getting more and more uh, widespread uh, people with allergies. In the end, the last year or so, I was getting spreadsheets from the brides with the guest name and all the thing. You know who could eat what. Uh, extensive, get, you know, and not just from one person. So this is a big change uh, that we've seen. Wow, that really has to keep you on your toes in the kitchen, I imagine, trying to- Oh, I was so nervous, you know, when people said, you know, you are responsible, you have to bring an EpiPen, you know, anybody. And I also told them if there was anybody coming to the, you know, any guest that had a severe allergy, I wanted to speak to them personally. And I would, you know, take a menu, mark it up tell them what they could eat and what they, I just didn't want to leave that for anybody else because, you know, you're, you know, could be taking a chance with somebody's life. Right. But, um, right. you know, but the idea of uh, the starting with ingredients, which has really always been uh, my focus uh, as a chef, I was very known for, you know, working with uh, things that at that time were considered to be pretty exotic. I worked in a, Italian cooking for quite a while and I used to spend a lot of time there. So a lot of ingredients that I wanted to be able to use. And they had such a focus on simplicity and the, you know, seasonal perfection of the various ingredients that that really was something that it, I really take that to heart. That's very important. And it's one thing that I've been loving uh, with the whole, you know, COVID limitations. 
uh, trying to stay out of supermarkets, but I found there's a farmer's market not too far from me where they have online ordering and curbside mm. pickup and it's all mm -hmm. local. So for months, I've been basically, you know, once in a while, I'll get something regular store, but in general, so I've gone through the whole season, every, you know, from the kale time to the asparagus time to the strawberry time to the, you know, now we're in tomato and peaches. And it's been a lot of fun to really stick to that, um, you know, that way of cooking. It's inspirational. Well, as you said, you are kind of known for ingredients. And um, it, what do you think that really stems from? I'm so, I know you worked and uh, traveled a lot in Italy. And Italian cooking is very ingredient focused. So do you think one predated the other or? Well, I was very lucky uh, growing up uh, that we did a lot of traveling. My dad was an academic. Uh, I did, uh, we lived abroad. Um, I did a lot of shopping in markets. Uh, and, you know, I was, that was really what drove me. And when I, so between the travel and the, you know, travel, reading, and cooking. Those are were my three main things, and it's still really my three main things. I always wanted, uh, wanted to write cookbooks, but I think that probably going to those markets and, you know, just really being inspired by the, you know, you have this abundance and you have the beautiful presentations, you have the seasonality, and you just, you can tell, uh, just looking, there's so much life in these, uh, these products that uh, it's it's just a different it's really a different world and so but as far as Italian the first time I was in Italy I spent the summer there I think I was five or six years old and I've been I don't know countless times so really that was uh, definitely uh, an inspiration and I was lucky enough uh, when I uh, I had worked as a chef jobs for maybe six or seven years and then I got a position in a new opening a restaurant that was opening and uh, Marcella Hazan uh, was the consultant. So, uh, uh, so classic Italian cookbook, um, she, and then I was in her course. And so really learning from somebody like that, uh, exactly the right way to clean an artichoke and, oh, you only, and it was really, it's more about, it's a very minimalist uh, kind of cuisine. So, you know, the number, the list of the number of ingredients is, is pretty limited. Um, and that means that you have to pay attention to that quality very much. It's much more about that. Um, technique is certainly important there, but I think that the, and it's also about the stories. It was about as a chef working with the local farmers, that was a, you know, just a wonderful experience for me. And some of them, you know, became very close friends and, I just watched that um, and helped it to develop in the city. So I don't know if that answers the question, but between the Italian and the sort of California cooking, the mm -hmm. Alice Waters, you know, mm -hmm. that was another big inspiration. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I spent time out there. I was even offered a job at Chez Panisse. I didn't end up taking it, but um, they, again, they were looking for, you know, well, I don't know, the first Meyer lemons that we, we never knew about Meyer lemons. Well, now there's, you know, you can get them in Trader Joe's has Meyer lemons. At that time, it, they were only being grown on the people had backyard trees and it was kind of a, just a hobby. Uh, they would start to bring them in. So I think it's been the both things at the same time, developing this whole farm 
you know, farm table thing. And at this, and at the same time, you know, the chefs working with, uh, you know, with his farmers. That's a good story. And it's a feel good story. Yes. Uh, do you have a favorite market in the world? Oh, my it probably goodness. depends on what you're shopping for, I imagine, but <laughs> well, yes. And it depends on, you know, what, what's the last market that I went to, uh-huh. you know, I mean, I, I did these, I was incredibly lucky. So in the last, uh, 10 years I started, you know, I knew that, uh, being a chef, you, you'd sort of have a, a sell by date, uh, <laughs> and I love travel. And so I decided I wanted to start doing these culinary tours. And the first one I did in 2011, that was to uh, Marema and um, Umbria, uh, mm-hmm. Marema in Tuscany and, and Orvieto in Umbria. I had uh, some friend connections. And um, so I, I started um, I started doing that. So of course, every one of those is all about markets. But what I was gonna say is that incredibly enough, I did two culinary tours in 2020. So in February, I had a group in Morocco for my fourth uh, tour of Morocco. And then uh, the end of February, I had my second tour in Israel. So I was in Morocco. I was in Israel. I was in Jordan uh, for just for a few days to see Petra. And then I, w- I was in uh, back to Orvieto because I, I actually had uh, friends of mine that came on the first trip that loved that town so much that when they retired, they moved there. Oh, so nice. I went to visit them. <laughs> uh, although by that time, you know, the virus was already uh, spreading in Italy. So we basically just stayed in. I didn't even go to the big market at that time. I was, you know, we were just starting to get too scared. But I would say the market, the, uh, the Fez uh, Medina, the market in the Fez Medina, which is a medieval market is just amazing. And so many, uh, you know, things that I saw things that I didn't know. There's not too many vegetables, maybe in the Asian, uh, you know, uh, cuisines. I'm not as familiar with that, but so many beautiful things and, you know, things that were, this was the season, just that short season. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I like that liveliness. Um, So the, in uh, Israel, incredible markets, the Machane Yehuda in Jerusalem is fantastic. And then in Tel Aviv, there's two Carmel Market, which is a wild scene on a Friday. And then there's Levinsky Market, which is was in the old Greek and Balkan neighborhood. So that's where all the spice stores are. Okay. So those were just fabulous. But also we did um, a whole day with um, a Palestinian chef from Akko. Uh, his family's been there for 400 years. And he did a fabulous tour of the market uh, there. And that's the only place that I saw wild asparagus. Oh. And I was kicking myself for days, <laughs> for weeks, because I didn't buy it when I saw it. And that was it. Never saw it again. So when we did our cooking class. All I wanted was that asparagus that, that was in the wrong city. So that Let, didn't work. Lesson learned, and you'll have to go back. Um, that's well, it. I'll, I'll have to um, mention two things and then um, ask you something. Um, I uh, I had spent a month in Umbria years ago, and actually it was a pivotal place for me because I decided to change my life. I left advertising at that time, and I decided to go to culinary school and travel a new path. Uh, and that was, tw- not no, 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 
18 years ago. Um, but, uh, and I was supposed to go to Italy. I was leaving on the 15th of March. I have a good friend who um, I worked in advertising with in New York and she moved to Italy five years ago and I was going to visit her because of COVID. No, no. I, I left on March 4th and on March 9th, all flights out were canceled. Yeah. And now my friends were going to come back oh. and they stayed for four and a half months before they were sure. able to get a flight. Sure. I have a friend here who's got a friend in Venice, same thing. Um, yeah, that's, um, I guess there's worse places to be. Exactly. <laughs> I, I kept thinking, I'm going, but they canceled my flight, so I couldn't go. Uh, but I was curious how you decided your, well, first off, I wanted to say one other thing. I want to say thank you. Um, being a woman in the culinary field myself, you definitely got into it at an early time for women and um, things that you and your generation did really paved the way for me and my generation and the women following. So thank you. Um, thank you. Uh, but I was curious how you have chosen, and you kind of indicated when you started in Italy, you had friends there, but how did you choose your destinations for your culinary tours? Well, Italy was a must. Uh -huh. uh, first of all, when I um, I worked in the Italian restaurant, which was Ristorante di Lulo, kind of made my career. Uh, I had, uh, you know, it was a very prominent restaurant, a uh, lot of press. I had, you know, fabulous reviews, um, all kinds of things like that. But I, and, and during those years, I went to Italy every year. Um, and then even after, you know, there was a period I didn't go, but then I was able to, when I, I started to work on a book, which was Making Artisan Pasta, which mm. has been my mm. uh, best, you know, best-selling book so far. Uh, and I got to work with some uh, chefs there that I had met. I uh, I was actually a, a delegate to Slow Food to the Terra Madre in, in 2006. So I got to go then. I traveled with Slow Food on another trip. And then I decided, you know, I wanted to go to do my own. But I, you know, I, I had the best connections there. Plus, I studied while I was working in that restaurant my six days a week as a chef uh, on the seventh day, I had a two hour private Italian class, which I did for five <laughs> years. So, you know, I, I had the language and I had the connections and there's just something now I feel like in an, another lifetime, maybe I was Italian, mm -hmm. uh, you know, mm -hmm. so, um, so I did that. And then, um, some of it was by chance. I mean, the first one was because I knew people, friends of friends that had a uh, agriturismo that we were able to work, uh, rent out. And, and I had friends in Orvieto, the chefs, and they helped me. Um, but then I did a Puglia tour and that was kind of by chance that somebody I knew knew somebody that had an agency there and I got in touch and they actually brought me over there for a pre-tour. <clears throat> they said, if you get yourself here, you know, you can you wouldn't have to pay to stay. So, okay, that sounds good. Mm -hmm. And that was a wonderful trip. Um, I love that. Um, then uh, somebody contacted me, probably she found me from the internet and proposed that I do an India tour, a culinary tour, which I had actually been, uh, Women Chefs and Restaurateurs did a, a culinary tour of uh, Southwestern India, Kerala, uh, in I think 2006. Uh, and I was part of that tour. So that made me think, well, yes, I would like to do that. Although I was definitely nervous, you know, bringing the whole group there and I've, I had, you know, panic attacks and I'm going to get there and, and there won't be a tour company and nothing will you know, work out. 
but it was fine. Everything was fine. It was a wonderful trip. I mean, it's a challenging place to travel, but I've also, I was a, a guest on one culinary tour in India, and then I led one. Uh, that was in 2017. Then Morocco, I always wanted to go there. I never had the chance. I, I had worked for several Moroccan chefs and people that I was friendly with, so I had some background with it, but whatever reason was fascinating to me. So I started looking, I, I started asking for, um, you know, uh, recommend anybody who had a lead. So uh, Paula Walford is a friend of mine and I contacted her, said, okay, you know, she wrote the original book in English on uh, couscous and other good foods in Morocco and, you know, spent a lot of time there. So she led me to somebody else and led me to somebody else. And eventually I came up with, you know, several companies and I chose one uh, travel company to work with. And it worked out very well because I've done four uh, tours in Morocco, two in one year. So, wow. uh, yeah. and there's a, you know, it's a, you have to think about, it's a very good place to travel because it's a little exotic. Uh, so people are more comfortable traveling with a group than maybe on their own. Maybe Italy, they might go on their own or France, they might go on their own or that, you know, it's easier to find classes and guides and things like that. And for most people, it's going to be a first, you know, a first time uh, visit. Um, and they're really doing a fantastic job of um, building up the, you know, the, the tourism services and such incredible places to stay, plus an amazingly warm, uh, they're just a very warm people. So you get a lot of smiles, a lot of feeling of welcome, and that, you know, that makes it feel good that you want to come back there. I mean, in fact, on the last uh, tour in, in uh, February, I had one I always have a local guide and I uh, had one person who I just love. It's just an amazing, amazing guide. And uh, he invited the whole group to his fam to his uh, place for tea. So we got to be in the home and, you know, the participants. I had one person say to me it was the best travel experience he ever had in his life. So, you know, <laughs> but there was because of this, you know, you, you feel that connection. You want to be able to. And the Indian people also, you know, very warm, hospitable uh, and, you know, but you have to have the combination of the culture, the history, craft, good things to shop for, you know, really yummy food. Uh, and then logistically, you know, how are you going to get there? And that, that could be a bit of a challenge going to Morocco. So I don't, and then Israel, I had spent a lot of time there. I actually went to first grade in Israel and spent time there, you know, through the years, although it had been almost a lifetime that I had not, I never got to go. I did a lot of travel, uh, but, you know, most of it was through work and I didn't have a reason to go there, but I had learned Hebrew and uh, though it's you know a little rusty now, and it's, you know, it's a fascinating, complex, difficult, challenging, uh, amazing place. So again, I, uh, I found a local company who I've been extremely happy with. And you know, it was a little hard in the beginning to you know, get the first tour to get to launch it. Uh, but then the second one I sold out uh, and people, some of the people from the first tour came on the second tour and are planning to come back on the third one. because <laughs> I'm now working on March of uh, 2021. We'll see if we can do that uh, for the next for the next tour. And if not, I'll you know I'll postpone it. But I'm still. This is really the direct the direction that I'm going in because the travel goes so well with the food, and I have so much knowledge at this point 
that I can you know, have a lot to share to people. Mm-hmm. So, and you learn a lot. I mean, I did, I went to a, a, a tour guide, you know, I did a certification course in San Francisco uh, that was in 2009. So I would get some background. And so it was, you know, a bit of a career change, but more, not quite as drastic as yours going from <laughs> advertising to culinary. You know, this is more of an adjunct uh, and, and a way to be able to use my culinary background uh, and my, you know, experience um, and also, um, you know, st- way for me to get to travel and otherwise I wouldn't really sure. be able to do it. Sure, sure. Uh, well, mine, I will say, I what I've tried to do is marry my communication arts with food communication ah. arts. Yeah, well, true. Uh, it makes sense. Yeah. Well, wow. I, I really want to go on one of your trips. That's all I can say. <laughs> and, <laughs> um, uh, I, and I want to keep talking to you. Um, there are so many things I want to ask you. And I do want to talk about your books real quick. And then I wanted to ask you, um, of all the things, areas you've worked in, restaurants, writing books, um, food styling, and teaching, and la la la, which is your favorite area? But in your books, I, I just wanted to kind of give a nod here, because your books are very encyclopedic. I think they're very thoroughly written, and, and there's just great resources. And until last night, I did not realize that you were the author of the field guide, because I use those in my work. <laughs> You and so many other editors and writers. Yes, uh, yes. yes I had a series of four field, field guide to produce, field guide to herbs and spices, to meat, and to sea, uh, fish and seafood. Writing those books was, you know, that was like my, my graduate work because, you know, think of the research that had to happen. And I loved working on them. I think that that, especially that field guide to herbs and spices is one of the favorite books that I have ever written. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know that, that I heard a woman work for the USDA hotline, you know, the turkey hotline for sure. Thanksgiving. Sure. She said they sure. use that book the, in their, sure. you know, the I've been in Whole Foods in the fish department and they have, you know, they're using that book. The, yep. A lot of produce managers are using the produce book. So I'm very proud of, of having done that. And I, you know, I love the writing. Um, I'm, you know, a communicator. Uh, so that, uh, you know, I'm very lucky that I had the opportunity to do this, uh, starting with ingredients. Uh, the last, the book that I did before that was called the magic of spice blends. I had the soup maker's kitchen. I mean, there's quite the, the fishmonger's apprentice, the butcher's apprentice. So it's, you know, quite a lot. Um, you almost had really a few mini series. Yeah, they're right. They're different. Some of them are parts of series. Um, so it would be hard to say when I worked at QVC, that was, uh, I did five years of live food styling in the 90s. And that was a time when it was exploding there. It was just growing incredibly. And every big name that you can think of was there. So for instance, the IACP had their conference in Philly. I don't remember what year, probably around 96 or something, something like that. And International Association of Culinary Professionals. So uh, at that, they had so many authors that were coming into town because they were going to speaking at that conference that I ended up having um, 13 authors in cookbook authors in one week <laughs> to do their programs at, uh, at QBC. Oh. And I made 160 different dishes Woo! in one week. Woo! So I had to, you know, make it at home, like a caterer, make it at home and then bring mm-hmm. it out there. And I had everybody that I knew, you know, I had a full-time assistant, but I had every single person I knew that I could, you know, wrangle uh, to come in and help me. 
So, you know, that was, so it was uh, exciting. It was fantastic to be able to get to work behind the scenes with some of the, you know, the, the greats of the period. And so to learn, first of all, it's live television. So you really learn to think on your feet. Uh, and that was great training because I kind of knew after that, like no, whatever gets thrown at me uh, is something I'm going to figure out a solution, which is kind of what happens with the culinary tours. You don't know what's going to happen. You know, like the ho like when we showed up at the hotel and turned out that they had done uh, uh, fumigating that day. So there were dead bugs everywhere and the whole place stank like that bug spray. And I had to find a, a place for now 15 people to move to. <laughs> right. So that's when I found out that I was working with a good tour company because you know, uh, they came up with a solution. But, you know, so there's just there's just things that are going to happen. People can get hurt. I mean, all, all sorts of things. QVC really taught me about that. Um, and so but it was uh, ruling I means 24 seven live. And I would I there were many times I would work a 30 hour shift. I would go and, you know, set up and break down and set up again and sleep a little bit in the back of my car from, you know, four in the morning to five in the morning, things like that. So it's not something I could have kept doing for much longer. Um, and it, it kind of changed. They moved to a new studio and the uh, it was more regulated. I like the Wild West. I like the live. Uh, you know, that's why, because I worked in kitchens. So, you know, right. you, Fire. you have that Fire. Uh, adrenaline of the, the, the challenge and, and working quickly, the choreography, all of those kinds of things. That was something that I really, really liked. So I would say that, you know, there are parts that I think I, I left at the right time, you know, it was enough already, but I was doing hundreds of shows in a year. I mean, a lot. Uh, but, you know, it started to be too many diet books. So I didn't really, wasn't that interested in, you know, how this magic diet, things like that. Um, you know, I did consulting. Some of those gigs were fantastic. I mean, I did some really want, you know, product spokesperson, recipe development, uh, a lot of media, you know, um, what do you call that? Satellite uh, and also regular, you know, mm, tours. Uh, I did a lot of, you know, demos. I love doing any any kind of thing with an audience. You know, give me a, a live a demo, uh, a class, that kind of stuff. And you know, now I mean, it's kind of a different time of life. So part of it is, you know, well, what can you do? And I think that there's gonna there's gonna be a lot of people because think about we're kind of in the golden age of restaurants, and which I you know, unfortunately think is over. Uh, but the explosion, I mean, I first moved to Philadelphia in the late sixties and there was, you could count the number of restaurants really that you would want to even consider on one hand. And, you know, then, you know, now there's a thousand or 500 or whatever, you know, not right now, but it, it had really built up. So we, you know, all the culinary school, schools opening, uh, lots of positions for culinary instruction, lots of, you know, places to do apprenticeships. We're in a different time now. And, um, you know, it remains to be seen what happens with that. But um, it, it, so I, you know, I, there was a lot that I, I loved about the restaurant business and there's a lot that I hated about it. You know, the, like trying to be a mom and trying to be a chef at the same time. This is, you know, not something I would really recommend, but, you know, <laughs> went through two pregnancies in the kitchen uh, and and then, you know, with with a young baby. And I used to 
I had a babysitter. I used to nurse my son in a, in a room with a babysitter and then run back to the line. I mean, it was, you know, this kind of stuff about working as a woman. And you can imagine, you know, I was doing my first restaurant jobs in the 70s. You know, people laughing, what are you in and mm-hmm. making all kinds of comments, all the sexism, all the, you know, the the Me Too stuff, the, you know, the the, the sexual innuendos, the all kind a lot of a lot of you know bad things. So I'm, um, you know, I'm grateful that, you know, I I was able to do it, um, make a make a place and you know, help others. I think that might now, it, you know, my thing is really about giving back and being a teacher. And so in my last position, which was uh, running catering, um, was a very unusual place called Material Culture with an extremely international clientele. Um, so every wedding was, you know, somebody Mexican, somebody uh, Lebanese, somebody Cambodian, somebody Indian, uh, Trinidadian, a lot of people from, uh, especially mixed marriages, they would come there. But if they had uh, kind of an unusual, and because they knew that I could do, I would customize the menu. <laughs> so I would get recipes from the you know families and things like that. So that was really a very, you know, I, I really enjoyed that. I love getting to know the couples and also being able to, you know, talk to them, ask them questions. What did you grow up with? What kinds of dishes? What would be served? So it was really a way of expanding my, my knowledge. Um, so I, I don't have an answer to that. No, it's, I it's all, that no, I think it, they each served their time and they each served you. Yeah, right. And, That's right. And, and you've kind of grown I with it. My goal now is, you know, to expand the culinary tours, and I am working with a, a another company now, so not just on my own, uh, and to continue writing and, you know, doing, uh, you know, special events, uh, any kind of uh, kind of courses, uh, things like that, lectures, uh, demo. Do you have a, a destination that you really want to go to? Do you have one of your books that's your favorite? Um, and is Whoops. any? I, no, I got to write it down. Oh, sorry. And, uh, and uh, is there anything from your travels that maybe is inspiring some idea of a book? Uh, well, <laughs> actually, that's a. So as far as destination, I had a series of uh, tours planned for this year, which all had to be canceled. But one was the Greek Greek islands, so three Greek islands, which I'm going to try again, you know, to reschedule that. I did actually do a wonderful cooking course in uh, on the Isle of Kea with a woman named Aglia Kremezi, uh, who's written a, a lot of books on Greek cuisine, and she was a friend of Paula Wolford, so I met her, and she invited me to her, you know, course. So I've spent time there. Uh, so I really want to go back there again. It's back to the simplicity and mm-hmm. I tend to go for the, you know, very Mediterranean. I feel like sure. they're, you know, not look India. I enjoyed that, but I haven't done too much of Far East Asian and I'm not mm-hmm. really planning to, because, you know, it's a whole other vocabulary. This is enough. So Greece, sure. I wanted uh, Southwest France. So Bayonne, Basque country, which I have never been to. That's another destination. Okay. Um, Barcelona and C- Catalonia in general, uh, which, you know, so many interesting culinary things going on there. That was the third one. And Sicily, because out of all the places in Italy that I have been, 
I have never been to Sicily. Okay. So probably okay. my first two that I would do, uh, go back to Israel because I just need to get more. Uh, I, now I'm starting to develop relationships and, you know, there's just, there's a feeling of home to that. Uh, but, but the Sicily tour and the Greek islands are the, the next ones that I'm going to be doing. Fantastic. And, and, and you asked about a, a favorite book. That you've written. So, I, will, I will say you've written and then anybody else's too. Well, so I did talk about, you know, that little, that field guide to herbs and spices, which is just a small book, but something that I really love. And the, the Making Artisan Pasta was really a, a, a labor of love. Well, we did all homemade fresh pasta in the Italian restaurants. I had a lot of experience, but I just love pasta and it's mm -hmm. that creativity. So, and then as far as inspiring for a new book, um, yes, uh, a lot about the, um, uh, I want to do about the, um, the salads, but like more the, the meze salads, the things gotcha. that mostly are cooked vegetables. Yeah. So the eggplant salouk, uh, is one thing or the Moroccan carrot salad or a fava bean salad, uh, oh. or, uh, Balkan Ivar, cause I did a lot of, uh, Balkan things or, uh, baba ganoush. All those kinds of things, which I, I and and they're all vegan uh, and gluten free. So I think that those are really good things for. But I, you know, I was thinking about, well, what would I, what kind of book do I want to work on? Because if you're writing a book, that means you have to be testing the recipes. So, for instance, the very first book that I did was the Bean Bible. So it was a you know wonderful book. And I'm, you know, proud and especially because that book came out 20 years ago uh, where, you know, I, I don't know if you've read, but the dried beans has been an explosion, haha, -ha, of, of, you know, <laughs> purchases of dried beans. So Rancho Gordo that sells the heirloom dried beans, their sales went up, I don't know, 500% in a month. They sold out of everything. Um, but anyway, so that, but it meant that I had a test, you know, it was 200 recipes of beans. So, you know, every day I'm telling you, my kids were about ready to kill me. Um, so <laughs> it was enough. So that, so like then working on starting with ingredients, which was, you know, certainly something I'm extremely proud of. Um, that was a general book. So, you know, one day you're working on a soup, another day you're doing salads, you're doing desserts, you're doing, and I like that. Uh, you know, I want that variety. And um, so where I might, you know, not want to do another fish book, uh, also it's very frustrating because the kind of what we can get is so limited and I'm used to restaurants being able to get, you know, a big variety and the quality level of what people can have at home compared to what you can get is very, very different. So I probably wouldn't go for that one plus expensive to, you know, do the testing. You have to think about that. What's the cost of everything? So I, I'm kind of like, and then the other book that I really want to do is um, there was actually a second book in the series of starting with ingredients, baking. And I want to go back to that and do uh, savory baking out of that. So all the kinds of tarts and tortas and um, calzone and empanada and bestia. So I love working with pastry. So I would say that um, that would be really fantastic. But, and those, uh, re those I would actually have to totally redo because different time and different systems of measurement. Um, but yes, that would be a lot of fun for me. The baking <laughs> would be fun.
Uh, do you consider yourself more of a baker or a um, or a chef, like a, co a cook? Do you? Which do you have? It is true. It's it's unusual for somebody to do both. Mo you know, in the kitchen, it, it's often now. You know, you have a pastry chef, but in the early days, you had to do everything. So I did everything, and I always loved baking. And I had actually thought about specializing in that, but I thought that. At that time, there were so few jobs for pastry chefs. And also, I don't like the, the frou-frou stuff. I'm not about, you know, decorating and precision and I'm more slap it together. Uh, you know, I'm going to have the, the taste is going to be really great. I'm here. But uh, messy but good is probably my, my tagline. I call um, it bugly. <laughs> okay. Uh, my my main thing with this with the starting with ingredients baking was the international character of it. So I was like, I don't want to do a book with another lemon bar and brownie recipe. Mm -hmm. You know, I have a lot of Italian recipes and I had a uh, different you know things from all uh, Moroccan recipes. Uh, I worked for uh, Tunisians, uh, even Mexican. I spent time in Mexico. I so I try to have as you know pretty interna international and less common. So mm -hmm. I hope that I get to work on those things again. Yes, and well, yeah. sounds fantastic. Um, I could seriously talk to you all day long. Um, you know what, I did have one question and you may have answered this before, but would you have considered Marcella your mentor or did you have one? Was there somebody you looked up to? I mean, as I said, you were sort of trailblazing. Yes, there was, I would say at that time, I was really looking for mentors. I was one of the very, you know, challenging things. Uh, I, there was a woman that I worked for in Philadelphia, an excellent chef, Esther Press, uh, that was uh, definitely inspired. That was the first time I realized that, oh, a woman can be a chef. This can be an actual job. Maybe this is something that I can do. So, and I definitely learned a lot from her with a French, she had a French and Moroccan background. Uh, and then Marcella, uh, who I got to work very closely with, um, Again, with her, um, you know, very, uh, she had very strict ideas of the way you do things, the way you don't do things. But there are, you know, definitely things that stuck with me. And I'd say that all along, you know, I've, I've just, in the classes that I've taken, uh, in people, I don't know, like I got, one time I did a, a class in uh, up in Boston at a cooking school, and there was a Turkish woman in the audience and we got to talking. I had been to Turkey before and loved the food. Uh, and I actually tried to do a culinary tour there, which I didn't quite get enough people for. But anyway, she invited me to come over there. Her family owned a, ho a small hotel and I ended up going there and I cooked with her family, her you know, mother, sister, the aunts. We went to the markets and markets in Turkey were just amazing and just fabulous. The, the fruits and the nuts, just superb. And so like more like on that kind of scale where I've been any kind of like person to person uh, mm -hmm. thing, not so much of a formal mentor or formal uh, cooking school did not do that. Sure, but or, friendships but that friendships really helped that, um, uh, pave the way for you or give you some light inspiration. Well, it's true. And, you know, you just are so impressed and a lot of, a lot of them are women, you know, mm -hmm. because a lot of the, like the, I did the, in uh, Italy, I mean, one of the trips I made when I was working on the pasta book was trying to learn how to hand stretch pasta. And so wow. that was, you know, I, I got to work with these couple of different chefs and, 
you know, here I am struggling with this big rolling pin and trying to learn and I'm, sweat is dripping off of me. And, uh, you know, it's just, I'm doing it, but it's really not that easy for me. And, you know, she's like, just rolls it out. Well, she's been doing it since she was, you know, probably five years old. So this is, but I, I love that kind of uh, the craft that uh, there's so much value or the woman in uh, uh, Morocco, her name was Warfa making the couscous and watching her do that and how she's fluffing it. And uh, just, you know, mm. I tried to put my hands mm. in there and oh my God, the, it was so hot. I couldn't even, you know, I couldn't even do, you know, just, but, mm. but here's, these are, I don't know, it's our, uh, our heritage is, uh, you know, a lot of these kinds of skills that many of the women home cooks have, which have really taught me a lot. Yeah, grandma fingers. That's it, grandma fingers. Exactly, although my grandmother, I have to say, was an awful, just an uh, awful cook. So we would dread going there for meals. So maybe I, I had to go in the other direction to- Were your parents into food? I'm curious, were your parents What's into that? food? Were your parents into food? Uh, my mom, yes. I mean, look, they went off to, they did a lot of traveling. I mean, they went to Mexico for their honeymoon in 1950. They went off to, in the, to live in Holland and then in Israel and traveled through Italy. And so, and my mom, you know, she definitely, uh, picked up a lot of those things. So I would say, yes, we, uh, she was, you know, a very good cook and with, um, a lot of, uh, you know, international flavors. Mm -hmm. So that was, uh, you know, I, I, I'm grateful that I had that. Uh, that's up. one of the things that I love about food. I feel like food is a doorway to culture for me. And I, I like to, so for me, a culinary tour is right up my alley because I like to pick a destination that is going to have food, good options for food, whether it be eating out or get, going to markets or a combination thereof. And then once you pick your destination, really map out your food destination. That's it. <laughs> well, it is. And it's a wonderful way to understand culture. And it's a wonderful way to connect to people. Well, you so, can break bread. You can sit down. You, you can do. cook alongside, which I love that, that story where you are um, in Turkey and you're cooking at someone's house. And I think when you cook with somebody, there is a, there's, there's a dance that goes on in a kitchen. And when you kind of understand each other's rhythms and you start doing your thing and then you reach over and you, you grab and they, and you kind of mingle throughout and you create something together. And then you sit at a table, you break bread and eat what you made together. Uh, to me, that's what we should focus our time on. And we would kind of all really literally come together instead of being so far apart. Well, I completely agree with that. And um, it's one of the things that makes doing culinary tours uh, such a wonderful experience. Um, we had a, a, a class up in a small village up in the Atlas Mountains um, near Imlil. And it was a very, you know, the uh, traditional family with the donkey and, you know, high mountains all around, hiking, we had to hike all the way up there. And it was just, you know, such a privilege to be uh, part of their, you know, to be invited into their home, to do this class and, you know, to understand how, you know, people live and, 
you know, really uh, make a connection, you know, to somebody mm-hmm. whose life is completely different. Yeah. Um, yet we have, you know, things that we can share. So we have that, you know, human. And I feel that people that go on culinary tours are automatically interested and appreciative of the local culture. Because if you weren't, why would you care about learning about how to make these dishes? Right. So right, it's right. a different kind of group. I've been very lucky with the people that I've had. Um, you know, people are people, so there's, you know, going to be various challenges, but um, people that are very curious and very, I would say, open-minded and warm-hearted. And that's, you know, oh. that's what I'm looking for. One last question I'm going to ask, and then you're out of the hot seat. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's uh, from CBS Saturday Morning. They always ask their their chef, um, who would you like, past or present, who would you like to um, share a meal with? Oh, my goodness. You know, they, okay, so one of the books that totally inspired me was, um, uh, it's called Le Ricette Regionale Italiane, and it was written by a woman named Anna Gossetti della Salda. Uh, 26 editions in Italy, never been translated. Uh, it's a big, fat book about, you know, regional uh, cooking with adorable illustrations. And I actually met with her years ago to try to translate the book. That's well, that was my goal and it never happened, but that's a person that did uh, just an amazing job that, you know, love to be able to talk to her. Uh, Paula Walford's another one, got to know her through Philadelphia's Book and Cook and, and I did her work for QVC. So she would be, you know, one, Alice Waters for sure. I mean, I definitely got to know her and, you know, very privileged to, so I'd say that these are women that have been, you know, inspirational and have taught so much, uh, really they have so much to teach. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's a, well, I, there's a lot of people on that list. I understand. Maybe- well, and they're all, they're all very ingredient focused to these women. That's um, right. And I'm going to guess you're going to eat farm to table and probably have some pasta. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And the, yes, with the really good eggs from, the, yeah. you know, with those yeah. yolks that you, they're just, gorgeous deep orange that you, I don't know, they they get up and dance around. They're so uh, vibrant. Well, I have to say it really has been a pleasure uh, to chat with you. I really could talk to you uh, all day and I'm sure our listeners could listen to you all day. You have led a fascinating life um, and you have carved out um, a way to embrace all the things that you really love and made it both a vacation and kept it as an avocation, which is very commendable. Your books are wonderful. I, little did I know, I've been following your advice for many years. <laughs> With the field guides. Exactly. Yeah, that's pretty great. And I expect to see you on one of those tours sometime soon. I hope to, yes. Um, I just have to figure out which one. <laughs> okay. All right. Sounds good. If you want to learn more about our guest today, you can check out her website, alizagreen.com. And Aliza is spelled A-L-I-Z-A. And be sure to check out our summit at mustlovefoodsummit.com to see her presentation and many others like it. So thanks for listening and see you next time. Visit our site to learn about special offers, new products, and more for purchase. We offer live cooking seminars from pasta making and cast iron cooking to pie baking and stir frying techniques. Our special interest publications feature recipes centered around certain topics like feel-good food and slow-cooker dinners. We also offer custom at-home branded kitchen tools 
such as aprons, cutting boards, and bench knives. Shop all of our offerings at CuisineAtHome.com. <laughs>